Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And as we inch closer to summer, Jamie, many of us are getting outside more often, enjoying outdoor areas that have reopened during the coronavirus crisis. Yeah, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks now, but a lot of outdoor spaces have reopened even just since we talked last week. So there's a lot of spots all over the state, all over the region that are now back open for recreation Of course, there are some others that are still going to stay closed for the time being. Yeah, we're going to get to some of that in a bit. What's open, what's closed, so on and so forth. But Jamie, let's hit pause uh, for a second here. We know a lot of folks are probably wondering what they can or can't do, where they can or can't go, essentially how they can get outside during the age of COVID-19. Yeah, people have a lot of questions about this, and we want to help answer some of those questions. So before we dive into some of what we think those questions are, we'd like to invite any of the listeners to call in with some of your own questions that we could answer on a future episode here. So give us a call on our podcast hotline at 503-221-4345, or again, you can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at podcasts with an S at Oregonian.com. Now, Jim, say you wanted to get out of the house. You're ready for a change of pace. You're looking for something to do outside. So what do you look for in planning your trip? What things should you keep in mind? These are all the questions that all of us are asking ourselves, which pretty much boil down to what should I do outside right now. So today I'd like to walk through my process for planning trips during the coronavirus age. And Jim, I I want to hear what you think about this. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to hear kind of your your tips and tricks and what's going through your head. I think it's important to preface this with uh, state officials are are still asking people not to recreate with people outside their own household and for people in urban areas to stay within a 50-mile zone uh, radius, if you will, from their house. And anyone who's sick, coughing, sneezing, feeling ill, should stay home. That said, Jamie, 
folks are antsy, stir crazy, whatever you want to call it. We want to be outside. And you're kind of the resident expert on this. You've been following uh, all the latest guidance from the state, all the reopening news. How are you planning what you're doing in your free time right now? Jim, I like you said, that 50-mile radius is something that I am trying to take seriously for myself, um, in part because I just want to abide by what public health officials and state officials are saying, and in part because I don't feel the need necessarily to immediately rush out to drive all across the state to go to these places, which are going to be here when this you know is over or when we're a few months into it. So what I'm looking at is, okay, what is within 50 miles of where I'm at? And admittedly, it's not a ton, but there is a lot of stuff to do within that 50-mile radius. So essentially, I was looking at this in a map, and it changes depending on where you live. But say from Portland, the center of Portland, 50 miles will get you basically out to government camp, over to Hood River, down to McMinnville, down to Salem, or out kind of toward the middle of the coast range. So there's still a lot to do in that 50-mile radius. You have hikes you can do in the gorge. You have hikes you can do on Mount Hood. You've got you know lakes, and you've got neighborhood trails and city parks, and there's a lot of stuff you can still do there. But that's the first thing to look at is what can I get to and what is open within that range? And when you actually kind of rattle off your radius, that that 50-mile radius, you can cover a lot of ground there from the coast range to Mount Hood, out into the gorge. I mean, that hits, if we're being honest, a lot of people are probably staying inside that area, even if there are zero restrictions uh, on a given weekend, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, it covers most of our day trip destinations anyway. Of course, you know, the Oregon coast is a little outside of that area, depending on where you live again. You've got basically anything the other side of the Cascades is outside that area. Um, And anything down there, basically south of Salem or north of Longview. There's a lot that's not in that area. But I think instead of looking at like, what can I not do right now? It's more constructive to look at what can I do right now? What are some places that I never thought about going before or places that maybe I've heard of that maybe didn't quite excite me, but maybe I want to check out and give it a chance now that I have this excuse to stay a little bit closer to home. Yeah, that's spot on. And and also kind of something we've talked about a little bit on previous episodes or maybe just one previous episode is kind of planning your trips around not only what is the number one thing you want to do the most right now, but what is the thing that you can do that maybe is going to offer you a little bit more space from others, right? Mm -hmm. So if your favorite thing to do is to go to one specific beach along one specific river and you want to lay out right in the perfect spot, right in the middle of the perfect stretch of sand, there are probably a couple other people right now who are thinking about that same spot on that same (laughs) stretch of sand. And uh, I think it's important to have kind of plan A, your perfect thing, maybe, plan B and C that are similar but maybe a little bit more out of the way, um, or something completely different. That's a good backup plan right now, because if everyone is kind of competing, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but 
looking to go to a lot of these same spaces, they're bound to get kind of busy. Absolutely. And I and I feel like one of your plans, whether it's plan D, E, or F or whatever, needs to be, okay, if this is too crowded and everything I, I try to go to is too crowded, I'm okay with that. It's been a nice drive. I'm going to go home. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to you know, fit your car on the side of the highway and hiking the median up to the trailhead that there's no need to put yourself in danger just to go to your favorite hike right now. There's lots of ways to, to enjoy nature that aren't necessarily these marquee hikes that we're so used to going to. Yeah. It might not be as, as good of a picture for Instagram, you know, but like, that's okay. Um, there's, there's still plenty of ways we can, we can get out there and enjoy it. Yeah. And and you said earlier too, Jamie, something that I liked, which is you can maybe take this opportunity to do something that is close to home, maybe hasn't excited you as much as another marquee hike or trip or whatever it is you might be wanting to get into, but it's there and you might not have ever checked it out. Or maybe you've only been once no better time than now. Exactly. There's a couple of cool hikes in Gresham. There's a bunch of great hikes in Vancouver or in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest that aren't that far away. There's a lot of cool stuff just right around the Portland metro area that we don't think about as often because we're so used to going to Angel's Rest or Dog Mountain or the coast. Yeah. And and flexibility, of course, is key. Also, Jamie, planning ahead. There's a lot of information to sift through. Uh, it might be difficult to find information about one specific place that I want to know about. I know you've compiled a lot of that information into a story that's just kind of a running list of what's open, what's closed, et cetera, et cetera, on OregonLive.com. And of course, we'll link to that story, and, and it's a great resource. But Jamie, when you're kind of going through and looking to put together a, a story like that, a list like that, how are you tracking down that information or, or how would you uh, direct people to try to track down whether they can go somewhere? Yeah, a lot of the information that we're getting right now is coming from press releases from national forests, from Oregon State Parks, BLM, all these land management agencies. The press releases that we're getting aren't saying, for example, the Mount Hood Forest didn't say, here's every single trail that is now open. What they're saying is, here's a list on our website that tells you the opening close status of all the various trails and day use areas. Uh, The problem is that some of these national forest websites aren't always the most helpful. Some are great and they're up to date and they're wonderful, but each national forest is in charge of their own website. And so some are a little bit more confusing than others. If you're looking for, you know, whether your favorite hike or day use area is open, the first thing you need to know is where is it? Who manages that land? Is it Forest Service land? Is it the Mountain Hood National Forest? Is it the Willamette National Forest? Is it a state park? Is it BLM? And Google is a great resource for that. You can generally find it pretty easily that way if you don't know already. And once you know that, then it's a matter of going to that website, which we've linked to in this opening and closed story that Jim mentioned. You know, I've got links to all of these different websites where you can find that information there. It sometimes takes a little clicking around, uh, but most of that information is pretty much readily available online on these land management agencies' websites. Yeah, it's a little bit of a labyrinth sometimes, but uh, it's all out there. And when in doubt, call. Yes. If it's not listed online, give them a ring. You know, a lot of these 
ranger stations or staff offices or, or, or whatever it might be, someone's going to be answering the phone or at least checking messages on that phone. I find that one of the ways to get quick information if I'm having a hard time figuring out what to do is to give someone a call. That might just work for you folks too. I can't always get a ranger on the phone, but whenever I can, they're extremely helpful. Yeah, I think that I think that's the right way to put it is like you can call out there to whatever ranger station or whatever staff field office, whatever it might be. Give them a ring. If they don't pick up, okay, you just have to do more research, but you might be able to get a quicker answer if someone does happen to pick up the phone. They obviously know these areas really, really well and are going to be able to tell you the latest. Well, Jim, we're going to talk a little bit more about getting outside during the pandemic and some of these places that are reopened and some of these places that are still closed right after a short break. All right, folks, we are back. And after talking about how to prepare to go outside, I think a lot of people are probably asking right now, well, where should I go? And I don't think we want to recommend specific spots just yet, but we do have plenty of news to share about what is now open, what is not, and what might reopen soon. Yeah, Jamie. So let's maybe start with one of the hottest destinations, one of the places people always, always, always want to go, and that is the Columbia River Gorge. So we got a little bit of news out of, well, kind of big news for outdoors folks this week. Some areas in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area are open once again. Yeah, this was great news, I think, for anyone looking to get out there. It is, of course, also extremely complicated and confusing. So the gorge is managed by several different agencies. So it's Oregon State Parks, Washington State Parks, the U.S. Forest Service, Skamania County, I think Hood River County might have some parks in the scenic area as well. So you have a lot of different agencies in there that all have to make these reopening decisions all at the same time. So the news that came out this week was that a lot of these areas are going to reopen, but a lot of them are going to stay closed. So the big ones that people are looking for um, Multnomah Falls, Angel's Rest, Dog Mountain, those are all still going to be closed. There are a couple of big announcements, though, for reopenings, and that is Rooster Rock is a big one. Um, Dabney State Park, which is not quite in the gorge, but it's in the area, is also now open, as well as the Hamilton Mountain Trail, which, Jim, is one of my favorite hikes to do out in the gorge. And I think that's going to be a popular one there over at the Beacon Rock State Park site. Yeah, you've told me about Hamilton Mountain before. I actually have not done that trail, at least to the best of my memory. I have not done that trail. And Jamie, this goes back to what we talked about kind of in the first half of this week's show, which is before going out and trying to go to your favorite place, it's a labyrinth right now in terms of what's open and what's closed. Please, please, please look ahead Try to track that information down online. Jamie has a really good breakdown of what is open and what's not open in the gorge, but it's not going to be a free-for-all when you head out there. No, I think a lot of people hear the gorge is open. Cool. I'm going to take this scenic highway down through the waterfall corridor, go see Latourell Falls, Bridal Veil Falls, whatever. That all that I just described is all still closed. The scenic highway for a large portion is closed. The waterfall corridor is closed. So 
don't go out there expecting to see everything reopened. I talked to the state parks department this week and they said it's pretty clear what is open and what is closed. So, I mean, if there's signs, if there's cones in the parking area, know that you can't go there and just keep driving and go to the next spot or better yet, just like Jim said, plan before you go, take a look and think of a few areas in the gorge that you might want to check out. So if one is too full, you can go to the next one, but there's so much open there now that you should be able to get somewhere. And maybe even some spaces that you haven't been to before because you usually go to those same two or three hikes. And we should probably note, too, that we are recording on Friday, May 29th. So maybe some things change between now and when this episode is released. Um, But know that you can find the latest on OregonLive.com slash travel on what's open and what's closed. So... Moving on to another hot spot, or maybe one of the cooler spots, uh, to just pull out an absolutely terrible pun on the weather that you can go find right now is uh, up on Mount Hood, in the Mount Hood National Forest, where it's maybe a a few degrees cooler than it is down in the Columbia River Gorge. Jamie, some big reopening news as far as uh, what folks can get into on and around the mountain as well. Yeah, the Mount Hood National Forest came out and said that most trailheads and day-use areas are going to reopen. Uh, most campgrounds are going to stay closed. I believe, as we're recording, the only exception is Timothy Lake Campground has reopened as of today, I believe. So, But everywhere else, pretty much on Mount Hood, that is open seasonally, is open for people to go back and check out. So that's you know your favorite hiking trail, whether it's zigzag or... You know, some of the stuff around Timberline, um, you know, Frog Lake, some of these day-use areas are back open for people to use. I like that. I know uh, we've well chronicled my love for Mount Hood uh, on this this podcast. I have not been back up yet, uh, but I'm excited to get back up into the snow. Still hoping for uh, a climb of Mount Hood. Uh, We'll see if I can... If I choose to slash can uh, make that happen this year. And Jim, one of the the big pieces of news that came out as we recorded this today, I think just actually a couple hours before we started recording, um, I put the story out that Oregon State Parks announced which campgrounds it is reopening this spring. They had previously announced that they were going to reopen some campgrounds, and I wasn't sure which ones they were going to specifically reopen. I thought maybe some smaller ones here and there, just try it out. But the announcement came out that some pretty big campgrounds have reopened um, or are going to be reopening here on June 9th. Yeah, some big ones and some really good ones. It's like an all-star list. I mean, just to rattle a couple off, we got Fort Stevens, Cape Lookout, Harris Beach, Sunset Bay, Silver Falls, Detroit Lake, Lapine, the Cove Palisades, Wallowa Lake. I mean, there's a ton of really big and popular campgrounds on here. Of course... We should mention that a lot of these campgrounds were probably mostly booked up before the coronavirus pandemic hit. It used to be you have a nine-month window to make reservations at state parks, and people, at least for these spring and summer months, took advantage of that. As it stands right now, reservations are going to reopen again soon, but you only have a two-week window to reserve a spot at these campgrounds, if, that is, you can find a spot at these campgrounds. As we discussed in a previous episode here, I think these are going to be pretty hot commodities, even more so than they already are this year. 
Yeah, and things when you get there, too, will look a little bit different than usual. Mm -hmm. Jamie, I'd imagine a lot of people are just really itching to get out camping right now, and that's got to be really, really good news. Um, So the last section or last swath of land, I guess, that we wanted to hit here is what's the scene like on the Oregon coast where you actually went on a reporting trip? Yeah, I was out at Cannon Beach um, yesterday. Uh, that was the the day here in Portland where it hit 87 degrees, I think. 91. It was extremely hot. Yeah. 91. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was out of the coast where it was a little bit cooler than that. So the scene in Cannon Beach was pretty interesting because the town just started reopening their restaurants and they just started reopening their hotels. So everything in town is just starting to reopen and people are just starting to come back in large numbers. And so you can kind of see how things are shaping up for what the spring and summer season out in the coast is going to look like. So what I saw when I was out there were uh, a lot of people on the beach. And of course, the Oregon beaches are so big that it's pretty easy to find social distance of six feet or even 60 feet once you're out there. That's the big thing I think a lot of people have on their mind is how crowded is the beach going to be? So you can definitely find your distance out there. But I think what people need to consider are that there are a lot of these sort of narrower choke points like the beach access points where everyone's funneled into one small area to get out there or the sidewalks in downtown Cannon Beach are very narrow. You're only talking about maybe a foot, a foot and a half wide at the most. You also have the insides of a lot of these shops or public restrooms, which were still open, where you have you know a much higher risk of contracting this virus. So while you may not need to wear a face mask while you're out on the beach and you're, you know, 200 feet from the closest person and the wind is blowing, I, I get that. That's not a very risky environment right there. But bear in mind that there are a lot of other places in the area where you may need to wear a face mask and where it would be very helpful and beneficial to do so. Uh, I did not see very many people doing that at Cannon Beach yesterday. All of the employees who worked at restaurants and who worked at shops, they were all wearing face masks or face shields. A lot of the restaurants had the tables set up six feet apart. There's a lot of patio seating and tables on front lawns and in parking lots. So it looked a little bit different than you're used to seeing being out there. But there were certainly just the same number of people you would expect to see on a sunny, warm spring day any other year. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What is kind of the vibe, if you will, that you're getting from or that you got from shop owners, the folks at the pizza place, the folks uh, who are making taffy, uh, maybe some locals who you talk to, anything like that of are they ready and embracing the Willamette Valley crowd? Yeah, all the business owners I talked to about this, I asked, are Portlanders welcome in Cannon Beach right now. And all of them said emphatically, yes. They said they want people to be out there because they are reliant on tourism right now. They also said, however, that they're a little bit nervous because Cannon Beach is a population where locals skew a little bit older and where the population is a little bit more vulnerable. And there's not that many resources for hospitals. There's only you know, one major grocery store in the area. So they're a little bit nervous about that. But at the same time, they kind of said they didn't really have a choice. So what they've been doing is just figuring out how to reopen safely. 
how to make the employees feel safe, how to make the locals feel safe, and how to make tourists feel safe as they come in. So it's kind of like this this cautious optimism um, mixed with a little bit of excitement that they can finally reopen, mixed with uh, a little bit of fear about what this might mean, bringing so many people in from all around the state and the region and truly from around the world into this one tiny little town on the coast. Yeah, it's kind of a catch-22. It's got to be nerve-wracking for these business owners, for these, you know, Cannon Beach officials, for folks up and down the coast, as ready or not, here they come. So that's interesting, Jamie. My, my last question is, not to bait people or anything like that, but how did it feel? How did it feel to be back at the coast? I know you love the place. You know, it was interesting for me because I love I love the coast. I love the ocean. Cannon Beach is never my first choice for going to the beach because it's always so crowded. So I kind of felt like how I usually feel in Cannon Beach, which is a little stressed out, uh, you know, trying to find parking like usual and navigating crowds of people like usual. Um, it felt pretty much like it always does in Cannon Beach, to be honest, um, which is with a little bit of, a, of an extra bit of excitement for the difference of, of how the things are there. Um, and a little bit of added anxiety just about being so close to so many strangers yeah. when you're walking through town. Um, but I will say, Jim, that just seeing the ocean again, just getting my feet on the water, even if I was wearing shoes, was a phenomenal experience. And it was great just to hear those waves crash again. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine a lot of folks are really anxiously awaiting their first trip out to the coast, out to the gorge, you know, whatever their special place is here in the Northwest. I'm sure a lot of folks are really anxiously awaiting how to get back out there or if if they are um, kind of able to do that trip right now, how they can do it safely and responsibly, so on and so forth. All of that said, Jamie, I asked you a ton of questions today. I feel like I learned some good stuff. But if folks have questions of their own, how could they get in touch and uh, maybe have those questions addressed on the Peak Northwest podcast? Well, again, folks can call our podcast hotline at 503-221-4345 or record a voice memo on your phone and email it to podcasts with an S at Oregonian.com. Yeah, and I'll say we're still accepting campfire stories like the ones we shared uh, during our six-episode mini-series earlier this spring. So whether you have a question to ask or a story to tell, please get in touch. But until next time, folks, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts, watch our videos on the Oregonians' YouTube channel, and, of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.